Well, welcome back to See Here Love for our SOS podcast series, Summer of Strength. And this conversation that I had with registered psychotherapist Debbie Mulder was, hmm, it's like just talking to an old friend about all the things that you're thinking and struggling with. Uh, Debbie is wonderful. She's a great listener and a lot of questions to ask her. So here's the thing. If you are or have struggled with postpartum depression, then this is the conversation you need to listen to. And if you're a helper who doesn't ask for help, then this is the conversation you also need to listen to. Um, Just that we need to check on the people who are caregivers. We need to check on the people who are helping. And helpers, you need to ask for help yourself. Don't do everything on your own. (laughs) It's not worth the burnout and the loneliness and depression that you may experience by not asking for help. So we talk about, yeah, about burnout, all the signs of it. Sadness, one, I won't give them all away. Fatigue as another one, but we talk about signs of burnout, what to do during and when you're in it. Uh, We talked about how to deal with division and polarity uh, in your family, in your workplace, with your friends. Um, As Debbie is a black woman and I'm an Asian woman, we just talked about that and and the hard part about what does it mean to love those who you do not agree with. How do you love those that you really can't stand because of their stance on something? And we talked about, which was really awesome, um, just about how Jesus loved and loves. And I know this sounds weird, but it drives us crazy how he loves so well. And and the call to emulate that. And, and what does that mean? Um, and we just talked a lot about mental health, the Sunday scaries. Yeah. So good. So if any of those sort of like kind of like pinched you or you resonated with with those, then this is the conversation. So I hope you enjoy my amazing conversation with the incredible Debbie Mulder. Well, welcome Debbie Mulder to See Here Love for our SOS Summer of Strength podcast series. So glad that you're a part of this great lineup of women and men who are strengthening our viewers and listeners this summer. So, so glad you're with us. Thank you so much, Melinda. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be here. Now, Debbie, you have quite a story. I want to, let's hear a bit of your story and how you became and why a registered psychotherapist. And then I have a number of questions, Debbie, that will take us like nine hours to unpack, (laughs) um, where you have some really specific areas in which you're, uh, you speak into, um, that you're an expert in, but let's hear a little bit about your story, um, and how you got to be a registered psychotherapist. And then I've got lots of questions for you. So wherever you want to start in the beginning, I think your story is really fascinating. Well, you know, I think maybe I'll start off with just being the oldest of four children and having parents that really, really worked immigrants who valued work. So I was the caregiver for the longest time, as far as I can remember of my younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And so I go into you know, high school trying to figure out what do I want to do? All I know is to be that caregiver. All I know is to be that helper. 
And so I go into university not knowing and then coming out uh, with a psychology degree where I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to help and support others and, and, and help them on this journey. And just being that helper was just, just me. That was all I knew. And so I go into it and I do it for a few years. I feel great. I feel rejuvenated. I have been helping all sorts of people. And then I get pregnant with my first baby and it's an exciting time, but I'm scared. I'm mm. terrified. I am bringing a life into this world that I have to take care of. I mean, I take care of other people, but they have their mothers. They have other people that take care of them too. I got to take care of this baby. And so I have my first child and I remember Melinda, you know, just kind of trying to figure out how to be a mother. They don't send you home with a manual. They say, just go do it. Here's your baby. Here you go. And I remember three weeks into being a new mom and crying uncontrollably mm. all the time. You know, baby cries, I'm crying. Baby's sleeping, I'm crying. And I'm sitting there watching him. And just literally, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. Me being a therapist, I didn't know what was going mm -hmm. on, right? And I remember mm -hmm. taking a walk with the baby and getting to a stop sign. And, you know, there's traffic going and I'm waiting to cross the street. And I remember thinking, what if I, what if I just let go of this stroller? And it was literally a split mm. second where I, I said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What's happening, Debbie? What's happening? I turned right back around and I went home and I told my husband, I said, something is going on. I think it's postpartum, but I don't really want to say it out loud. And I don't want to tell other people that because mm. I'm a therapist. I, I, I don't get these things. I help other people with this. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Ooh. you need help. You need help. And you're going to have to tell your story. You're going to have to tell and say that you need help. And I thought, who's going to help me? I'm the one that helps. I'm the one that does that. So I did. I reached out to this wonderful psychiatrist and he says he got postpartum depression and it's okay. It's okay. And he helped me sort it through. I had a counseling. I, I, I really worked through those issues. And I'll tell you, I, like my son, he's 11 now and I've got three other children. So I did it, I did it over again. Mm -hmm. But I remember just thinking, who's going to help me? I need help, but I can't admit it. I can't admit it because I, what would people think? Mm -hmm. What would people wow. think? You know, and I grew up in the church where, we had pastoral counseling, but that was it. You, you, you had an issue, you went to your pastor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you went to your pastor. You didn't do this therapy stuff. You didn't do this counseling mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then being a black woman, a woman of color, where the stigma of mental health is very much prevalent then and now. We didn't talk about anxiety. We didn't talk about depression. That never crossed my mind as a teenager, which I sure I had. But a lot of the work that I do now, Melinda, is to really bring out people, the stigma of it and really let people know that it's okay to not be okay. 
It's okay. Debbie, how long did that last? Uh, the postpartum? Um, postpartum, uh, you, what'd you say? It lasted, uh, well, he, I, I, he was about three weeks, and by the time he turned a year, I felt like myself. And it really actually helped me when I had my second to know that this could happen. So putting everything in place before I had my second mm. child so that I knew who were my supports, where do I go if this were to happen to me again? And then my third and my fourth, same thing. So it was really, I, I would say, yeah, definitely about a year where I was feeling this way. And a lot of women will go through this for so long and not know, not be able to reach out, not feel like they can reach out and struggle mm. and suffer alone. So this is a lot of the work that I do to talk about this and to say you're not alone. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Debbie, it brings up something. Uh, like, so for me, I have no problem asking for help. <laughs> I have like zero. I need help with moving, friends, <laughs> let's go. Great. I need help with putting together, you know, an Ikea dresser, <laughs> no yes. problem, I'm gonna ask. Right. And yeah. I'm saying this, you know, yeah. um, struggling with things. Now, when I went through my, my depression, uh, that was harder. I was in a place where I thought I was strong when I went through my depression for eight months, which I call the dark night of my soul. Oh. Uh, it was a little harder, but once I received the help, then it was really easy to sort of ask for it. And I think that, that was a marker where now I'm, I'm really very, I have no problem asking for right. it. But why do people have that issue? Like, why are people struggling right now who are listening, who are doing everything on their own? It is so difficult to try to do something as a one person. Yes. But all you need to ask, you know, ask and four more hands, six more hands would get the you know job done so easily, so much better, more support but we just can't do it. I'll tell you, Melinda. What is that? I remember thinking about weakness. If I uh, okay. there it is. reach out mm. for help, if mm. I say I need help, I'm weak. Where I was always seen as the strong one. I was always seen as the one that will take care of everything. Debbie will be able to take care of it all. Just call on Debbie. Mm. And if I needed help, okay. it was seen as the weak one. And when we talk about women, we talk about our roles. Women have, we do a lot. Mm -hmm. We do a lot. And to be weak, to be seen as weak, can't be in our vocabulary because we just have stuff to do. We weren't designed that way though. We weren't. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk with women, when I talk to my community about showing weakness it's not about showing weakness it shows about a lot of strength actually exactly as i was just going to say it shows yeah. a lot more strength oh my goodness when a woman comes mm -hmm. to me and just says i need help i said do you know how sh courage and strength it took to come to me and say this to come to anybody and admit this that is strength that is not weakness at all so i think that is something that Really, mm -hmm. I want to be able to tell the audience, I want to be able to tell people that strength that you have to speak out and say, I need this. I need help. It's huge. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, can, I can hear and sense your passion in this space because you are a mental health advocate. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're all about like erasing the stigma yeah. of, you know, mental health. 
you know, and, and I, I want to kind of like talk with you about that because, you know, mental health has become this big thing. There's mm-hmm. mental health, there's mental illness, there's, you know, and, and we've come through a pandemic. There still are traces in different in places. Yes. Um, you know, I think I, maybe the question is, you know, does everybody struggle with mental health? And if we do, um, is that okay? Mm. Um, and how do we figure that out on our own before we maybe go to a, a counselor or maybe we do need to go to a therapist right away? It's a big question. I'm just, I know that there's a lot of my friends and people who listen and watch who are like, I think I have mental health. I, everybody has mental health, so I don't want to say I do. Yeah. You know, um, there's degrees of it. It just seems so big. It is. It really is. And I, I honestly, I remember doing a talk and I was talking to a group of women and I came off the stage and this woman came up to me and she says, Debbie, I just want you to know I have mental health. And I said, so do I. Like, we all do. And I think that's something people mm-hmm. need to realize, that we all have mental health. There is this, this level that we're at. Sometimes it's really, really great. And sometimes it's not so great. But actually mm-hmm. knowing where you are and doing that mental health check, I always... I always do that when I have clients come in and I sit down and I said, okay, mental health check. How are you doing today? So, so I'm doing great. I'm exhausted. I'm barely hanging on. Let's do a check. It literally takes two minutes for you to sit down. I have them put their hand on their heart and just feel your heartbeat and tell me, how are you doing today? And if you're great, great. If you're not so great, that's great too. It's okay. You know, we take care of our physical body. We go to the doctors and we go to the chiropractor, physio to take care of our bodies. Our mental health, our brain, same thing. It should be given that same attention because it's part of our body, right? So when we talk about recognizing uh, when Mm -hmm. things are not okay, we need to do that self-check. We need to do it. And I, I love... I love giving actual, like, actual definitions and actual things that are going on. So fatigue, you know, you're tired emotionally, physically. You're noticing that this is mm-hmm. happening a lot. Fatigue. Mm-hmm. Angry. If you're angry about mm-hmm. things that you normally are, are thrilled to do, but you just don't have that passion anymore and that you just, mm-hmm. you're just really angry all the time, take a check of that. Sleeping, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, you're not doing the things that you love to do that you really, really enjoyed. Taking note Mm -hmm. of all of that, that loss of satisfaction, that sadness, Mm -hmm. that sad feeling that you have. If these are things that you're experiencing, there is no harm in reaching out for support. We all Mm -hmm. have that, we all get that weight. And if it lasts for a long time, I'm encouraging people, go out and get that support. Yeah. Right? And it's okay because we all have it. We do. You're not alone in this journey. That's my main message, that you don't have to suffer through this alone. And a lot of these things, too, Debbie, as you're speaking, like fatigue, angry, problems sleeping or eating, you're not doing the things you love, sadness. A lot of us have that, and we're like, oh, we just got to push through. Yeah. You know, this is what we do. We either push through mm-hmm. toward burnout, which I want to ask you about, yep. or we don't push through and we go darker yes. and we 
hide away more. So it's like we retreat, yes. right? So some of us will go full out until we can go, you know, we no longer can go and do burnout. Yeah. And then others like retreat. Yes. And both are really bad yeah. in the way of both can have really bad outcomes yes. on that side, yep. right? Absolutely. Like retreat or, you know, kind of go crazy and, and push out of your mind. It's like, I've got to do this. I've got to yeah. do this. Now, I understand because I understand, some people have written me and said, well, Mel, sometimes in seasons we've got to do this as a mother, as a caregiver. we got to just push through. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we find that space, the margins to do? Mm. I get that. Yeah. But I also get that in any day, everybody has the same hours in the day. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and even some of the greatest leaders who are healthy find the time to be healthy. Yes. So... Can you do something for 15 minutes? Yeah, if you prioritize and choose it, right? And and that's I'm just I speak I'm speaking to Debbie because that's me. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't have time. And then I and then I look at my, you know, my iPhone and it has screen time. <laughs> That'll get <laughs> and you. And my screen time. <laughs> Convict. Yes. You know, like, oh, what do you mean I didn't have time to exercise? Right. Because my screen time says. 6.4 oh hours. my goodness i'm glad you you admitted <laughs> you know I'm that saying? like i'm not even joking <laughs> and then i quickly throw it away so i don't see it because if you don't see it it doesn't i exist. ignore when it comes through i said no no not happening it's not true not true if i don't see exactly. it exactly yeah I, I claim ignorance i don't right know. i don't know so stop stop screen time notification right? stop showing up on my phone i love that you admit um, that that's amazing <laughs> Help me, Debbie. Yes, Help me. Yes, yes. I'm t- you know what? Honestly, well, here's the thing, though, Melinda. And you know what? If you don't take care of you, you're no good to anybody else. If you, 100%. right? Like, if you are angry, if you are sad, if you're frustrated, you're t- if you got pain in your stomach and neck and shoulders, and you're just, you're not good to anybody. You're not. I tell my kids, if I don't yeah. get five minutes just to breathe, I can't help you. And what kind of mom will That's I be? Good. Mm-hmm. Right? And you know what? We talk about 15 minutes. Yeah, five minutes. Just realize that if you don't stop and take a breath, yeah. the world will continue. I mean, the world is not going to fall apart <laughs> because you took 15 minutes to take care of you. Are you sure? <laughs> it's not going to fall apart if, I, if I'm not... Doing what I what I must do, I, uh, you know, like listen. that's so good. It's a good reminder because sometimes you get a little bit, you know, self focused, oh. and it happens, and then you go, wait a second, yeah, the world just continues. Oh, no one can fold like the it. laundry like I do. No one can do the dishes like I do. You know, no one can't do. They can't do this the way I do it. So I have to do it. Oh no, you yeah. don't. There it is. That's so good. Yeah. And for some people, they need to hear that. For others, they're like they're like, ah, yeah. And that's a whole other show we have to do. That's but that's my identity yeah. to do that. So if you say take that away and allow for somebody else to do it, then oh, right, you know, right. Which I mean, we've had some shows on overfunctioning oh. and all kinds of conversations about that. But I mean, that's really good. And and in that, because I know that you know you you speak and and really help people through burnout because I'm I know I've had burnout I've so many friends who've had burnout or they won't admit they had burnout or they're on their way to burnout. yes yes right and so no so you're, I'm like 
that's just signs. Oh. No, 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 no. Or some people are like, I think I burnt out. I'm like, what did it look like? And they're like telling me this like horrible slide into like full out. Right. Like catastrophe. Right. And they're like, I think, I think that's what it was. Yeah. So talk to us about that for the pe- for the people who are <laughs> don't believe that they're heading to burnout, Ooh. but all the signs are there. This is for yeah, that's you. right, that's right. So Debbie, take it I away. I love to talk about burnout because I was there, been there, dabbled in and out of it uh, quite a few times, where I had literally quit my management position because I was burnt out, and I walked into my manager's wow. office and I said, I quit. And she said, whoa, 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 Deb, hold on a second. What happened? Where, where? I said, I can't do this anymore. I quit. And I left that job and it was total burnout. And I, the signs were there. The signs were yeah. there where I would have this, um, oh, what do we call it? I call it the Sunday scaries. I call it the Sunday scaries. Hmm. So you have Friday, count down to Friday. And Friday comes and it's the weekend and you enjoy your Friday night, your Saturday, and then Sunday morning, you know, you're going to church, you're praising the Lord. Five o'clock, 5 p.m. on Sunday night, you get that scary feeling. Oh, no. Hmm. I got to go to work. Oh, no. Dreading it. Sadness. You get the tension in your neck and your head and shoulders. You're angry. You're snapping at people. You know, you're finding some way to cope because you got to go to work where you got to go and just be and be and be and you're running and you're doing this and you're doing that. And then, you you know, you might be being a mom and you might be being a caregiver to your parents or grandparents and friends. You're doing all the things, but you're mm. feeling resentful. You're feeling like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to. You're feeling upset. You're getting angry. You are at that. You're almost there. And I would dare say you're at that burnout point. You really, really are. I like to describe burnout as, you know, we have this thing about availability. We have availability. So um, I like to drink coffee, tea in the morning. So I go into my cupboard and I open the cupboard and I have a slew of, of coffee mugs available to me. So I go and I pick one. I pick a coffee mug up. I say, okay, this is the one. This is the one. So I start to fill it up. Start to fill up this cup. Mm -hmm. And uh, say, okay, I can fill it up to here. So now it's full of coffee. This is how much I have left. This is my capacity. Availability. Mm -hmm. Capacity. And say, I decide, okay, let me just fill it up a little bit more. A little bit more, a little bit more, and it starts filling over, spilling over. Coffee starts spilling over. My capacity, I've gone over my capacity, and now my hand is burning. I'm burning my hand. I just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. Ah, I've gone right. over my capacity. I have no more left to give, but I keep going. That's burnout. Mm. It's a good visual right? because everybody would be like, well, that's dumb. Right. Why would you keep pouring and burning yourself? And then you're like, exactly. That's what we do. <laughs> that's good. I've never, you know what, I've never heard that before seeing yeah. that. And as you did that, I'm seeing the scalding, yeah. you know, elements coming over and burning your hand yeah. and visually you're like, well, what person would ever do that? Right. But because I think it's not visual and you're like, oh, it's just 
what I what I do, what I am, and it's, you know, in my brain. Yeah. And you just sort of go, oh, we can just keep going further. Right. Knowing your capacity, wow. knowing what you have available. And sometimes we have availability and we have this free time. So we say, okay, I got to go do this for this person. Oh, I have time to do this for this person. And we use our free time up and then our capacity gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And we've reached capacity, but we keep going. Knowing what yeah. your capacity is. Are you, are you able to do this? Are you able to take on that project? Are you able to go and help that friend? Do you have the capacity to do it? And it's okay to say, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't have the capacity. I've gone over my capacity and I don't want to be there anymore. I can't do it. Right. And then, you know, here's the thing. I think this is a good, good thing I'm hearing. Yeah. Because if your boss or the organization says, I don't care. Yeah. Hmm. Or whoever. Right. Says, I don't care if you go to them. Yep. Then that's a big, big sign to say, then maybe it's not the place. This like, is, you yeah. know, either it's not the place or you need to put more boundaries. But then if you start putting boundaries and they still. Right. You know, are not respecting those boundaries or whatnot, then that's that's something that you have to say. Then this might not be the place for me. Absolutely, and you, you do, know, you, but, yeah, yeah, you do it for work, but you also do it for people in your lives, right? Because I feel like yes, that's true. Yeah, for relationships. Yeah. yeah, I've had relationships in my life where I've had to put up boundaries because I was doing and doing and doing, mm. where yep. I would feel bad if I didn't do. So putting those boundaries in place, knowing what your capacity is we could really reduce burnout and for a lot of people. So yeah. recognizing the signs, recognizing what burnout is and knowing what your capacity is and not to go over. That's really good. Yeah. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love, interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues, your self-confidence. We're here for you to help you find joy and small wins in your everyday as we lean into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seeherelove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seeherelove.com donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda. Yeah. Yeah. On that, I know, you know, mental health, burnout, a lot of us are experiencing these things, but I, I think, you know, one thing that I know for for certain that people are really dealing with, especially through, and, and I say this, we've been dealing with this for centuries and generations, mm -hmm. um, but even more so I think with the pandemic, because we stopped and we had more space to look, comment, yes. to try and understand, you know, a lot about the, the issues in the world, which have caused so much division and polarity, yes. you know, today. Yes. And every conversation or, you know, gathering I, I'm in, Debbie, it always comes up to this. Yes. Now, we talk about the issues in generalizations because as soon as we say something, it's like we could get attacked for just saying that name or that stance yes. or yes or no or for or against, yes. right? But maybe just some thoughts for you. Mm. Um, as a black woman, I'm an Asian woman. Yeah. Uh, 
so many things and this could be a whole again you know another podcast but maybe the help for because you know people have come to me written in to see her love about how do we have conversations how do we love in these spaces when our family is divided by an issue when my church is divided by an issue when my colleagues are divided by an issue even my partner or spouses and i are divided yeah it's like everyone's asking like how do we come back together how do we love in these places when we're called to love yeah yeah it's a big question i know but maybe you can help with some simple bite-sized understandings for us to kind of make first steps yeah you know I mean, we we were in this global pandemic, but there are many other pandemics happening and this racial pandemic and the, you know, mask or no mask and people that are really passionate about that. And I I have friends, Mm -hmm. I have family and we are on the opposite (laughs) page on on all of these things and what needs to happen. I love my family. I love my friends. The reason I love them is not because of where they are on that spectrum. I love them as people. And we are called to love. And, you know, here's the thing. (laughs) People have, um, people say hateful things about God. People um, have done horrible, horrible things. People did horrible things to Jesus. He still loved them. Mm -hmm. And... We are called to love, no matter what. And I might not agree with your stance on that. But I still love you. And I think if we can really, really learn and separate the issues from that person and just say, hey, you know what? We may not agree about that, but we still have this relationship. I think we need to focus in on that. A lot of the time we're focusing in on these issues and these stance of these people. And I, I remember thinking of this about one of my friends who um, he had a lot of things to say about the black community. And me being a black person, I thought, well, wait a second. Do you think that about me? It's like, well, no, 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 you're the exception. But, you know, this is, this is a lot of people in the black community do this. And I said, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with you. But that doesn't mean that I can't, you know, stand with you and support you and be that person that still loves you. And so if we can separate mm-hmm. that, you know, and I, and I have a hard time doing that sometimes when I'm having it's conversations. I'm, you're saying that, I'm like, oh, Ooh. oh, it's so hard, Linda. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that we do in therapy. Right. And the thinking about, you know, I have clients that come in that have these really opposite views from their family members and saying, I can't stand this person. It could be their husband. (laughs) I can't stand this. I can't stand his views. I can't stand. But he's my husband. And we work through that. We work through that stuff that you can't stand. But, you know, you love this person Mm -hmm. and just bringing it to the forefront and remembering He's that person that you married. He's that person that you've always loved. You may not agree with this issue, but you love him. So let's keep that. Yeah, that's a good reminder, Debbie, too. Like if you if you're if you put yourself into like Jesus' place. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm like, Jesus, how could you do how could you keep loving? Ah." Because all the things he knew. Oh. 
all the motivations he knew. Yeah. And yet he still chose to be in relationship with this motley crew of disciples. Yes. And other people knew the motivations of the questions behind the religious people. Knew the heart of people who asked him things to trap yes. him. Yes. Knew that aligning with certain people, marginalized people, women, sick people would would then cause ripple effects in other places. Right. And yet he still continued to love. And he forgave. And I'm like, he forgave yeah. those that put him on that cross. And, and I think that's the reminder that, you know, if followers of Jesus lived that way, then when people said that weren't said, why do you follow Jesus? Why should I? That's the key. Yeah. Because no matter what, we, we will love you. Absolutely. Unconditionally. Because we have received that kind of love from Jesus. But here's the problem. And, and, you know, I am a follower of Jesus. But I think my biggest lament and grief is people who have said that. Yes. And then stood on the side of hatred and hate and division. But here's that. And. Sorry, go ahead. You know, and then I'm like, I'm called to love them. But then what they're doing on so many areas is harming the message of gospel, the good news, shalom and love of Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so that's the part that's so hard. Yeah. That's the part that's so difficult, you know, and I don't, and again, I'm careful not to point the finger and, and judge. It's just, you know, silently. And I look around, I grieve in that space, mm -hmm. you know, and that is the part where, you know, Jesus is grieving. He's grieving, yeah. but he loves them. So we stand in that. And he loves us. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Them, us, all of us. He continues to love us in all of it, right? Absolutely. You don't think we haven't done anything to make Jesus grieve or make him upset? He loves us still. Right. Yeah. He loves us still. Ugh. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It is hard. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the call, right? I mean, I was thinking about where it's like, you know, if you do it all, hmm. but you don't have love. It means, nothing. it means nothing. And then that's when you sit in that for a while and go, oh, man. Right. Right. Motivation, why we do it, what we do. Yep. If it's not done in love, that whole sense of meaningless, it's like, oh, my goodness. Right. There's some checks there, right, yep. to say, why am I doing this? You know, for more Instagram followers, for success, popularity, for money, for being known. Or am I doing things because... I am, I'm loving people who are hurting. I'm loving to, to care, to restore, you know? And that's when taking that step back though, and, and, and really evaluating, yeah. why am I doing this? And we do a couple of mental health checks, but just, just checks in general. Why are we doing this? Right. It's gotta be for love. And if you don't love it anymore, let's figure out why. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. If you don't love it anymore. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So. One, one last big question. I know that's a lot. <laughs> I'm sitting on that and thinking about that. I'm taking notes. Uh, I want to finish up with this one, which I, I, you know, we kind of, we're talking about that earlier about the helper and mm -hmm. you, you know, who helps the helper. And it's a personal thing recently. Um, you know, people have been following along my journey, uh, Earlier in February, <clears throat> I had, I was in emergency surgery and ended up in ICU 
for almost four days and then an additional four days in the hospital for a jaw and um, mouth um, infection that they were concerned was impeding on my breathing, um, the potential to infect my brain, um, cause me to go septic and, and possibly um, could have died with this. It was, it was really serious, really serious. And I didn't know it was that serious. I, I, I was actually in the studio interviewing while my mouth was sore and I was getting infected oh. and I'm, you know, me, I'm still pushing through. Oh, it's okay. Right. And ended up in emergency, Debbie, and oh, emergency surgery gosh. at like one in the morning and then in the hospital. Wow. And, and that's just like, what, two, three months ago, February. Yeah. But, and ev there was a great love. Like the story for me, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of processing this to do a podcast about it because, you know, the love of community, we were very, very supported. Yes. Um, but, it, Chris was the one that really had to carry the helper yes. had to carry through this. And so everybody was sort of focused on me yeah. and he was focused on me. Um, and then when I went through it and kind of come out, out of it, I noticed that Chris really crashed and it was very hard. Yeah. And so I see, and he was supported. I'm not going to say that cause he had some buddies that supported him, but not to the extent of sort of the love and support for me. Right. 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 And I think that's important because I think the caregiver, the helper sometimes gets lost in the crisis and people forget that they are caring so much and their mental health and their physical health. Like Chris ended up like in emerge two, two months after he's okay, but there's a lot oh. things, his mental health, he's seeing a therapist because it was hard. He thought I was going to die yeah. and I didn't know what was going on. I'm in ICU. Right. So he was carrying that and then had to care for me. As soon as I got out of the hospital, care for me. Like I couldn't walk. I had couldn't eat. I had to eat soups and mushy food. I had to have every couple hours, my antibiotics and pills. And like, it was a full out. Wow. Caregiving. Wow. But I, I maybe it's just, I'm, I'm wanting you to, Maybe just remind people or encourage the caregiver, the helper, because that's a, that's a real thing for me. That's a real thing for us. Yeah. And I didn't know that I had to, I had to talk to Chris after Debbie and just say, when I was well, I'm like, I need to thank you. And I had no idea right. because as soon as I kind of got well, it was like, he kind of started becoming unwell. Cause he was all yes. The adrenaline did the, the absolute current focus crisis is in front of them. Yes. I got to help. Yes. And then as soon as I got stronger, I was able to do things on my own. I noticed Chris like, right. You know, what's so, Oh my goodness, Melinda, that right there yeah. is the perfect example of who helps the helper. That's right. a, that that's it right there. You know, the people have this innate quality to help. Okay, great. You call on these people are in a crisis. They're there. They can help support you. But I always say this, and this is something that I had to learn myself. Check on your people. Check mm -hmm. on your people, especially the ones that you see as strong ones. The ones that mm -hmm. are upholding the family caregivers. Check on them. Yeah. Because they are the ones that need you.
And they may not know it. They may not be willing to admit it because, no, I am the, I'm the strong one. I'm okay. Check on them. You never know if you knock on the door and say, hey, just wondering, just thinking about you. I'm going to yeah. bring you this or I'm going to do this. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do? You never know what that answer is going to be. Yeah. Check on the strong ones too. Check on the caregivers. Check on your people. And it, it'll probably change somebody's world. And so, you know, Chris had people, but I'm wondering if people were checking on him as you're sitting in the ICU, <laughs> right? As you're in the ICU, mm-hmm. as you're, you know, okay, this is, you know, your, your husband is, is worried about you. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about. Yeah, there were people, but mm-hmm. I did, I did text. Mm. Uh, some of his buddies because sometimes it's funny people are like well I don't want to bother like right. I don't want to add it's so interesting and you know just I'm, I'm still processing this months later but some people are like I didn't really want to reach out because I didn't want to bother you because I assume there's a lot of people that love you guys mm. well there's a part of me that was like it would be no harm if you sent something maybe we don't answer you but there would be no harm in saying how are you doing can we help now 95% of our community went crazy like <laughs> I have never held more Uber gift cards and e-cards to restaurants, Uber Eats, anything. Our house, and I say this funny, and and for anybody who gave me flowers, this is not a slam against you. I love them. (laughs) But when I got home, Debbie, it looked like I had died. Oh. Like, I was like, I'm not dead. But the house was filled. Like, I was like, what's happening in my house? I'm like, does something happen to somebody? in my house because it was like flowers oh like, you were so loved i'm not kidding <laughs> i was really loved but there was a moment where chris and i could just burst into laughter right. because i'm like are you thinking what i'm feeling how this feels i'm like yes i love it yes, i love it, it. So it was really funny. um but like and so well love but there was somewhere it was interesting where people were like i didn't want to yeah intrude or you know and i'm like it wouldn't no. and i think for for the helper there were friends definitely to help chris but i think there might have been people who didn't reach out because they're like oh chris is busy focusing on melinda right so i don't want to bother him right but i'll be honest i i know chris would have appreciated more probably that than not if you know what i mean and you know what if everybody thought well i didn't want to bother i didn't want to bother if everybody thought that then nobody would have bothered Right. So thinking about it, if it just means a phone call, if it means a text, if you just take some time out of your day, even if you think it's going to be a bother, more times than not, it's not going to be a bother. Right. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do it. So, Debbie, we have final moments to the woman, man struggling. I always do this because I there's a lot of people struggling. Yeah. Lonely isolated, polarized, angry, have postpartum, yeah. uh, too afraid or ashamed or proud to ask for help, yeah. um, are angry, are fatigued or sad. It's big. But what would your encouragement to be would be to them today? Just, just if they tune in and they're listening and they're just like, ugh, right. life. Yeah. What would you say to them? Say there are. Oh, 
I would honestly say that there is no harm in reaching out. It is okay to not be okay. And I always say that we can be okay, but there may be a day where you say, no, I'm not okay. And that's okay. Reach out and say, I'm not okay today. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay today. You know, the verse Isaiah 40, 31, that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run. Like I see that verse all the time. And to renew my strength, to renew the peace, to renew what I have to do, where I know as a mom, as a woman, as a wife, as a, you know, as a therapist, I need to reach out and to my people for support. And if my people don't know who can support me, they'll direct me to somebody who can. But if I can say, today, I'm not okay. Today, I have reached capacity. People will understand that. And people mm -hmm. will be okay with that. And will want to support you. You're always the one that is a strong one. You don't give people the ability to help you. Mm -hmm. So let yourself be helped. You are nobody to anybody if you are not okay and you don't reach out for help. So it's okay to, be, to not be okay. Debbie Mulder, thank you so much. Registered psychotherapist in Ontario. How can we get a hold of you if we want to learn more about you or want you to help us? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You, you can... Always reach, I, I actually can be found at www.insidementalhealth.com. And you can always go okay. there and you can find me. I'm also on Instagram. Um, I'm at Debbie underscore Mulder one on Instagram. Go into my DMs. You can always find me there. I'm 100% always available to, and I respond to all of them. And I can always just give you some helpful hints or direct you to the resources that you need. Fantastic. Well, Debbie, it was a pleasure chatting with you. It's just like very comfortable, like <laughs> old friends. Yes. Um, so I really appreciate your thoughts on so many good topics that I know many of our listeners and viewers are, are struggling with. And I've made lots of notes. And so I know that there are many who have done the same. And I know that this conversation has encouraged them as much as it has encouraged me. So thank you. We're cheering you on in all that you do. Thank you. Um, and all the work that you do and all the spaces that you inhabit and the influence that you have. So thank you. Thank I'm you so much. I'm so for grateful to get CDMA. the opportunity to, to speak with you, Melinda. You're amazing. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, Debbie. Thank you. <sighs> Debbie, an amazing woman. And I think my greatest takeaway from this conversation in all of it, it sort of encapsulates it all is this call to love. We say this a lot in See Here Love, you know, learning how to love ourselves, love others, and love God well. But I think it's a good reminder, the call to love. And that means so many things. And it's hard things. It's doing all the hard things. But if you say you follow Jesus, then that is the call uh, to love and to love well. And loving yourself means that you need to ask for help. Stop trying to be the strong one all the time. Uh, just stop it um, and ask for support and help. And 
yeah, the call to love is great. So I hope you are encouraged by our conversation. I hope you connect with Debbie if you need a good registered psychotherapist and know that in this journey, in this hard journey, but good journey of life and love, know that you are seen, you are heard, and today you are deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you join us for our next SOS show. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.